0: We welcome everyone joining us on another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast. Jason Ross here with you. And what a week, right? The Hornets have done it again. Winning last Saturday at Weber State in Ogden for just the second time ever. They're now 9-0. Two regular season games to go, including this Friday night, by the way, Friday night in Portland against the Portland State Vikings. We've got a busy podcast for you today. We'll recap the Weber win The man who was on the call last week on the radio, Dave Lewis, normally on the television side, filled in for me on the radio side, did an excellent job as I uh, missed the game. First time in a long time listening to the game the entire way with Dave and Steve and Danny and Danny Pinto as well. Uh, Stressed in Chicago at my brother's wedding. It was a wedding of a lifetime. It was fantastic, but uh, anxious and nail-biting and, uh, you know, just anticipating every play and it was tough to not be there but to listen to the guys doing a great job and of course the Hornets getting the win so we're going to recap that as we said we will talk to Dave Lewis who's on the call and also does all the television games for Sacramento State football and the quarterback one of the quarterbacks Asher O'Hara normally you get Asher and Jake together a lot because they're great friends they're doing everything as a tandem um, crew here at the quarterback position but uh, we're locking in, Jake, next week. We've got Asher O'Hara this week and a conversation I think you will truly enjoy. But let's jump into it and get into last week's game at Weaver State. Third straight game against a ranked opponent. Hornets had come back to beat Montana, had the lead on Idaho, had to come back at the end to beat them. And now they were playing their highest ranked team. They were on the road, difficult place to play. The Hornets have only won in Ogden once. And it was a huge, huge matchup where... You know, Weaver's trying to think of Big Sky Championship opportunities they would have to win. The Hornets trying to stay perfect and keep their dream season going. And let's get to it early on. The Hornets, after an early stop against Weber State, got the ball, went down the field, and got in the end zone.
1: Asher O'Hara working from the shotgun. Fulcher in the backfield. Now Asher keeps it himself. Lunges to the goal line. Tries to move the pile. No signal yet.
0: Touchdown. Touchdown.
1: There it is. Yep. I saw Danny over there signal at first, followed by the officials.
0: So Asher O'Hara on that short run put the Hornets up 7 nothing. Weber would respond, and after one quarter, it is 7-7. Let's take you to the second quarter, and Sacramento State was working on a five-play, 70-yard drive. It took them just over a minute because of this big pass play for a score from Asher O'Hara to Marshall Martin. From
1: the 48-yard line. Asher play action, dropping back to throw, picks a shot deep, has Marshall Martin out there, caught in stride for a Hornet touchdown. Dropping a dime to Martin in stride, touchdown Sacramento
0: State. So 14-7 Hornets feeling pretty good, but a lot of football still to go at this point. And one of the trouble spots for Weber State coming into the game, they had that horrific performance in Bozeman against Montana State where they had four snaps by their punter go for safeties. Well, it would show up again, not four times, but once, and it would prove to be a critical two points for the Hornets. Trying to throw
1: there's the oh, high snap. There it is. Goes into the end zone. Remember that was an issue a year ago, rather a couple weeks ago. That's a safety. The fifth safety given up by Weber State. Rocket high snap on the punt. And the nightmare continues for Dustin Sands. Wow.
0: So sixteen to seven Sacramento State at the half. Credit to Weber State in the third quarter. They would score first, so it's now just a two-point game. The safety, the difference at 16-14. to Now here come the Hornets again after that score by Weber State. The Hornets go on a five-play, 75-yard drive, and it's Martin again this time from Jake Dunaway.
1: Dropping back play action, Jake, pump fake, lets it go. Wide open, Marshall Martin for a Sac State touchdown marshall's second of the game and what an answer for the hornets
0: so it's a two-score lead at 23 14 going into the fourth and the first play of the fourth quarter the hornets would punch it in again
1: Cameron scataboo in the backfield asher o'hara to his right about a yard away asher working from the gun give the ball to asher lunges to the goal line there he is in the end zone again for a touchdown asher doing what asher does best
0: 30 to 14 with just under 15 minutes to go you're feeling pretty good but the ensuing kickoff the hornet special teams let him down
1: abraham takes it from one yard deep across the 15 wide open across the 30 35 40 down the sideline no one's gonna catch him take it to the house 102 yards for a touchdown the answer that weber state had to have Abraham Williams took one 100 yards against Montana State. Goes 102 against Sac State.
0: Wow. 30-20 to 20 at this moment. Hornets, because the two-point conversion that Weber tried there was missed. So you're still feeling good. Up 10. Hornets would get stopped. Weber would go down again. Take a long time. Nearly five minutes, 13 plays, 74 yards. But they opted because they needed two scores to kick a field goal. So it's 30-23. to 23. Now it's time for the offense to hopefully ice the game. Well, the Hornets would take six plays. They wouldn't go that far because Weber had kicked an onside kick. The Hornets recovered it. They would go just 13 yards. But now they're lining up Kyle Senkowski for a long field goal.
1: Senkowski the All-American. End of the game. 10 out of 12 with 10 consecutive makes coming in. So they, they give him the extra yard back. It's eight yards back, so it's a 43-yarder. The tension mounting from Ogden, Utah, to perhaps put it away. A 43-yard drive, snapback ball down, kick is up. Good. Good. And it's good. Danny Sullivan signal before the officials again, and it's a two-score game.
0: Kick was good. Lead back to ten at 33-23. And so now time is becoming a major issue for the Wildcats, but they would make it very interesting all the way to the end.
1: Second down. Barron gets it. Quarterback sneak again. This time, did he get in? He's in this time. I can see with my binoculars that he's in. No signal yet. There it is. Touchdown. 13 seconds left.
0: So 33-30, to just a few seconds to go. They would try the onside kick. They would miss. Hornets would recover. And basically... Go for the victory.
1: Victory formation. Dunaway takes the knee, and that'll do it. Sacramento State leaves Ogden with a win for the first time since 2013. Ninth consecutive win. 6 0 in the big sky. Leaving Ogden with a 33 to 30 victory.
0: So the victory formation happens. Hornets win. 33-30, they go to 9-0 and and beat yes, another quality-ranked team. The Big Sky is loaded, and the Hornets currently sit on top of the Big Sky, along with Montana State, as the two undefeated teams in conference, but the Hornets are undefeated overall. Ranked number two in the nation in both polls, and many speculate if, it's a big if, if the Hornets can beat Portland State and UC Davis, they could go into the postseason as the number one seed in the FCS playoffs lots of room to go still with the Portland State game and the Davis game but certainly impressive to get the win on the road like that second ever in school history at Weaver State now the man who was on the call was Dave Lewis you heard some of his highlights there now our opportunity to check in with him he does the games on TV with Darren Arbett former Hornet coach former Hornet player and uh, Dave you as you know calls the games on TV filled in for me last week on the radio, and Dave, let's kind of start there. We knew all week long that weather was going to be an issue. It didn't snow, but it was cold. Have you thought out yet?
2: Well, Steve McElroy had the window open, so the wind was blowing in just so he could you know, feel what Danny Sullivan goes through on the sideline <laughs> with uh, the 30 degrees. And, and the only reason I got to do that game is because you were at a brother's wedding. So first of all, what's up with your family you know, booking a date like that during the season?
0: I just, you know, he told me about it when the engagement happened. I was excited for them. He's like, hey, this might be a November wedding. Is that going to be a, a conflict or a problem? I said, look, it's family first. It won't be. Little did I know that the Hornets would have this dream season. Weber would be this unreal team. Um, I won't say I had second thoughts, but I certainly was missing the game, the action, but I was a listener, an active listener the entire game, and I found that I'm, I'm, I need to be at the game as opposed to listening. I get too nervous, Dave.
2: Well, we'll make it happen then, starting Friday. I'll, I'll make a couple calls and uh, see that you're there.
0: Um, I do have to say, I know um, I, I was—I had some obligations. I'm supposed to be, you know, at dress rehearsals. I'm in this wedding, and I, I couldn't leave until the like literally the last onside kick was recovered, and then I went okay. It's good. Uh, how did you feel as the game progressed? I mean, the Hornets were ahead almost all game, but Weber just wouldn't go away. They, I was impressed with Weber just kept their, their fight back in the game.
2: Well, they showed why they were a, a top-five team You know, going into that game. They, they really compete. There were a couple of drives there where they just imposed their will and marched it down the field against the Hornets. So uh, I give them a lot of credit. It's kind of odd with that last onside kick because they laid the football on its side instead of having it on the tee and having it topple end over end and take that wild hop up. So it didn't seem like you had much of a chance to get a kick like that when it's just basically rolling on its side. Uh, that was one thing I thought that was odd. But you know, credit to Sac State. You know, Troy Taylor always seems to dial up like uh, the key play that makes it happen after a timeout on third and two in the second quarter Asher hooks up with Marshall Martin for a long touchdown I thought that was you know one of the biggest plays of the game
0: yeah and early on I'm listening and and hearing you guys describe action I'm hearing Asher and Asher and Asher and you know it. you've called these games and seen them it's it's usually a 50-50 split or or maybe a slight lean to one boy it sure seemed like it was a heavy dose of Asher O'Hara and they got results early on too
2: well the running game had to be a big a part of this game. I know on the defensive side, they said that defensive backs have to go up and support the run because they didn't expect a lot of passes. And I think going in on the offensive side, they didn't expect a lot of passes. They'd have to establish the run. So you've got your thousand yard rusher in Scadaboo. And then Asher obviously does what he does, um, you know, the dual threat out there and then Jake, you know, fulfilling his role. So it's a great arrangement and, you know, only works because those two guys have such respect for each other.
0: Yeah, I, I like to ask people this question that watch this program, and you've been around a lot of football, a lot of teams, but you've seen this team for several years now. Um, why does it work in your mind, Dave? Why has this team been successful in 2019, the 2021 season, still perfect at 9-0 and this year? Obviously, they're talented, but when, when you look at it, why does it work in your mind?
2: Well, Coach Taylor's philosophy is it's an accountability they all have uh, with each other and the foundation of love and getting to love the game, you know, that year before in 2018, they were 0 and 7 in the big sky. And then coach Taylor comes in and basically with the same cast of characters, you know, goes and goes seven and one in the league. And they asked some of the players and they just said, you know, he holds us accountable. They are student athletes. They keep up on each other with their grades. Um, they, their work ethic on and off the field. It's a real close knit group. And, and Troy got him to love the sport again. And uh, when you're winning, it's certainly easier to love. It's been a real magical ride. And now you can get all the Sacramento players that, you know, wouldn't stay local before. You know, they can see that something special is happening, you know, here in their hometown.
0: You know, getting to know you a little bit. I know you like um, getting to know others and getting to know their stories and what they're all about. Troy Taylor's unique. I, I, I love to try to describe him. I don't think I've quite cracked the code on the full description. But when you've talked to him, when you've learned from him, sat with him, um, what are your observations of how he gets this done?
2: Well, a lot of times he talks about things that are not even related to football. I think that's part of his appeal. I think it was before the Northern Colorado game. I sent him a text at about 9 in the morning. and I said, hey, you know, if you have a few minutes, just want to pick your brain about the game tomorrow, you know, get up to speed. So at 10.15 that night, he sends me a text. Hey, Dave, you still up? <laughs> and I responded, uh, yeah. And then the phone rings It's him. And we spent about a half an hour uh, you know, ten fifteen to ten forty five a night on a Thursday, and about half of it re- related to football, and then some of it, you know, catching up with uh, my kids or my dog or whatever. Uh, he he genuinely cares about people along with the sport, and uh, I think that's a part of his success, and he's obviously very smart at what he does. He seems to you know, call the right play at the right time and put the right guy in at the right time. So the things that are really hard to teach with what he
0: does. It's a great observation on him. I mean, one of my favorite things on interviewing every week, I mean, I have to get the – the courtesy or the uh, the required four- to five-minute pregame interview, and that kind of ends up being football, but my favorite conversations or, with him are before or after the interview when it's, I don't know, Sacramento Kings, uh, something else, school things, I, I family, just, I mean, it's not that football's not always on his mind, but it, it there, there's a lot more to him, but the football part, I mean, I, I just feel like he's borderline genius there.
2: Oh, like I said, that third and two, you know, everybody's wondering, at you know, what little play they're going to dial up and he finds the, the mismatch and has Martin for a touchdown fourth and one. Uh, everybody's in the box, you know, is it going to be Asher carrying the ball or scataboo? And sure enough, uh, Asher drops back, throws a pass for a you know, massive gain to, to extend a drive. Um, you know, he sees things differently. He sees things that other people don't see. Um, he's remarkable. I, I, every time I come across Mark Orr, I was like, how did you get that guy? Mm-hmm. Cause when the, the job came open, you know, his name was you know, rumored out there. And I saw, you know, the local JC coach and some other guys. Yeah. They're, they're kind of logical fits. Troy Taylor, get out of here. They're not going to get that guy. And then when, you know, he was hired and wow, that's a great catch. And then you see what he did on the field in year one. Um, it's, it's remarkable. It's a, an amazing turnaround and, you know, quite a coup for Mark Orr and the athletic
0: department. Yeah, I'm thinking back to when his name was kind of first floated out by fans, by, you know, people that would talk about the Oh, it'd be great if they could get Troy Taylor. And to me, I knew about his success. I didn't know him personally. And it just felt like, well, that I I don't even know how they would get him. Like, that doesn't even seem realistic. I don't even know what his goals are. If he wants to be a head coach, it just felt like a name that was out there that people would always reach for. But I thought, well, Sacramento State, that's just not what they do. They don't get a name like that. And then to get him, and then him to be even better than probably advertised—that's um, it. I mean, Dave, you talked about the turnaround. I, I, I had probably no doubt that he would be successful, but how quickly he's done it and how dominant they've been, honestly, has floored me.
2: That first year, um, I asked him before the first game. You know, a lot of coaches come in. Hey, we got a three-year plan, five-year plan. So that was kind of a you know, mandatory question. Hey, you know, what's your timetable to you know maybe be good or be competitive? And he said, I don't have a you know a plan like that, a calendar. I can just tell you it's going to happen. Hmm. I don't know if it's three years, five years, and it turned out to be one year, but it's going to happen. And then his philosophy with the coaching staff, you know, a lot of his guys that he knows he has a history with Folsom, uh, Tyler Osborne, the wide receiver coach, one of the guys that's not in that inner circle. He just, you know, kind of came across him through his relationship with Chris Peterson, but the Folsom guys, he says, you know, I don't really care if you have this big resume from a Power 5 school or whatever. You just have to love the game and know the game. So I don't care if you're coaching junior college, high school. It could even be Pop Warner. You know, you want to be here. You've got a guy from a Pac-12 school that's coming in to you know, maybe be the defensive coordinator. He's looking for his next job. You know, all these guys want to be here. And it's this really great, tight-knit unit that are all, you know, pulling the, the same end of the rope.
0: Yeah, I think the same goes for the players, and this isn't a slide on them. There are good players on this team, but there's not a lot of NFL guys here. There's not a – they're talented people. I don't want to make – you know, point paint the wrong picture, but I think that love of football and I, I, this is what I want to do for four, five, six years with this program and maximize that. And if it takes me farther in football, great, but, you know, you call the big sky games. There'll be a, a defensive end at Northern Colorado. You go, oh, that guy's going to get drafted, or a tight end at – you know, Eastern. This guy's going to be in the NFL someday. There might be some with the Hornets, but it's not like it's loaded with NFL talented guys. They they just get the most out of every player,
2: and they have this great uh, unifying presence about them. I think it was Munchie Filer last year. Mm. I said, Hey, do you have kind of this uh, you know brotherhood with the defensive backs or you know a little nickname or whatever? And I know they call him Little sharks back there, but he says we don't really have a brotherhood with the DBs or the defense. It's really the whole team. Wow. So what are you talking about? He said, well. Now, it's not offense, you know, we got to do our thing and then the defense steps over, but whatever. It's just we're all one. That's what Coach Taylor teaches us. We're all family. And I thought, wow, that's, a, you know, it's a great way to look at it. So you have all these guys, you know, all fighting for the same cause. And there's some unfinished business, you know, with this group with the, the first round playoff exits. You know, they um, won't come out and say at least publicly, but, you know, they're focused on making a deep
0: run. Yeah, and, you know, part of that, I think, is maybe what's happened the last three weeks, Dave. You know, the for the most part, a lot of this season, and you had the stats, we had the stats, and whether it was TV or radio, that, you know, they hadn't trailed, or hadn't, when they had, it was for 14 seconds. I mean, the win streak is incredible, the regular season. But the last three weeks, I mean, that schedule gauntlet of Montana, where they were in serious jeopardy of losing. Idaho, they played beautifully and then had to come back and win. And last week that we addressed earlier with Weber, I mean, these are all three games that, Could have gone the other way, but they all went the Hornets way. What do you think the value is of that where they've gone through three straight, really difficult playoff type teams and found a way to win?
2: They haven't. They have to toughen you because you think of like the NCAA tournament where maybe a team goes in undefeated, and you don't know how they'll respond when they have to face some adversity, when they're punched in the mouth, or you know are trailing by double figures in the second half. And these guys now have experienced it in three consecutive games. How would they respond? Because they won all those other games, twenty five, thirty points. Go to Colorado State, crush those guys. You know now you have to come from double figures down to beat Montana in overtime. That was you know one of the greatest games at Hornet Stadium ever, and then having to do it again with Idaho and then um, going to a place they'd only won once. They were 1-11 in Ogden all time before uh, you know, beating the top five team in the country. So those things have to just give you the confidence when you're back through to the wall if we're you're down a uh, touchdown, you need to drive in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, that you've been there and you could do it again.
0: And I think the the coaching staff, I know they're way better at this than then I would say that I am that Steve, Danny, whatever the, our crew. And I'm sure that you and Darren are, as far as they really truly lock in week to week and they should know now. I mean, they don't want to lose to Portland state. They certainly don't want to lose to UC Davis, but if they were to, they're still going to the postseason. I don't know how they don't look ahead to that because that's what they are truly chasing. That's the demons that they haven't quite exercised. but I, they do an amazing job of just locking in each and every week. And that's players included. I, more credit to them, because I know I look ahead, and I, that's I'm not playing, but I don't know how they don't.
2: Oh, you and I are going to talk the cough after we hang up with us. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's going to be a great game. Now, those guys have a, a remarkable focus, but I, I think big picture, if they are to run the table and go undefeated and, and get the number one overall seed oh. – or a two, it's a huge deal because your your matchups are so much better. I mean, Austin P was no joke in the first round right. in 2019. The South Dakota State, you know, they were capable of winning the championship and got to the championship game in the spring season. So, you know, to get the number one overall, you get that favorable matchup and you're set up with all those home games and a shot to really make a deep run and you know have that dream of getting to Frisco.
0: Now, obviously, you want them to win. I want them to win. I look at them. I try to look at them somehow, you know, maybe even critically. Okay, what are they missing? I look at this and I go, I love their special teams. Sienkowski's just out of this world. That last drive where they really needed a score in elements, he kicks a field goal to put them up 10. I'm just clutch. Um, You know they've got this brilliant offense. At times, I go defensively. Well, maybe not as much pass rush as I'd like to see. They don't commit, force as many turnovers. But then I look every week, Dave. I mean, they don't give up a ton of points. So... I don't know, as you oversee this team, everybody always wants to be better at every element, but is there any trouble spots that, that could hurt them as, the, as they go along?
2: No. <laughs> They've been kind of a bend-but-don't-break yeah. group all year, and I sure need like maybe a little more pass rush and perhaps some discipline. I was just looking at the stats before we connected. They have the second-most penalties in the big sky, yeah. and on that last drive for Weber, uh, there were something like six pass interference calls on the same drive. So I think some maybe some fundamental cleanup things. There've been a couple of targetings uh, that you know you, you have to have show some discipline and, and smarts out there and and uh, you know not put yourself and put your team in a predicament with a silly mistake. So I think you know that may be the only thing that comes to mind because their health has been great. That offensive line started every game so far this year. You got a thousand yard running back. You got two quarterbacks that can beat you in different ways. Um, young receivers that have stepped up. You know, Pierre Williams hasn't had a massive, huge All-American-type season, but he's still a quality player. But other guys have stepped up. Gibson's had a, a great year. Fulcher's been a threat out of the backfield. Um, you've got options now at tight end besides Martin. Um, offensively, there's a lot of ways that they can uh, get it done. And defensively, they've you know kept teams in the, the 20s for all, the entire season. So um, I think it's not beat themselves. Be focused week to week. And good things are going to happen for the squad. It's a magical ride.
0: As you were saying that, it took me back to... So Saturday night, uh, imagine this visual. You're in the booth with Steve. You guys are calling the game. It's it's that drive. It's the drive you just referred to where there's pass interference after pass interference. I have to leave my hotel. It's a short walk across to Harry Carey's uh, restaurant. We got the top floor for this rehearsal dinner. It's going to be great. And I'm sitting outside waiting to go in to kind of join the party, but I, I got to finish this Hornet game. And I literally had to look <laughs> down at the app and go, this, is this repeating? I mean, pass interference... Pass interference. I, I thought something short-circuited on my phone. I could not have six on one drive. How does that happen?
2: It's ridiculous. If you know, Steve started saying how nervous he was. <laughs> he
0: was making me nervous. About,
2: yeah, and I thought about the bus ride with Chris Richardson's wife, um, Kelly. She's a therapist. And she says that she can't even sit in the stadium in these games. Even going back to her days at Folsom, she has to get up, walk, sometimes sit in the parking lot. And she uses this technique. I think it's called four, seven, eight breathing where you inhale for four counts, hold it for seven, exhale for eight. And it helps with anxiety, maybe even in some sleep issues or whatever. And uh, she goes, I tried it, and it didn't work. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> this is stuff that she gives to her clients. That's, so she tried it, and she can't even uh, you relax in these games. So it was certainly uh, tense moments. Even with a double-figure lead, you never uh, can you know quite relax until all the, you know, the clocks hit zero.
0: I remember you had said that during the broadcast, and and I was I was thinking I go wait what's the number for We're in I was like I don't know I'm st- I'm too nervous I couldn't even apply it, um, and then when you dropped that other line you said well she said it didn't even work I went oh well I'm nervous yeah <laughs> uh, but you got oh it was it was it was so great to see I know earlier in the week I, I thought it was maybe even partly planned by Weber but they posted that picture maybe. I don't know, Wednesday of last week, midweek sometime, and it was like beautiful day for football, and it was just a field covered in snow, doom and gloom. I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a brutal weekend. It was cold, but the how much of a factor do you think? Obviously, it didn't snow, but just elements, were they a factor at all, did you think?
2: I think the factor was taking the crowd out of the game because there were a lot less folks there. Interesting. Um, it wasn't snowing. It was raining, but the crowd was maybe a third capacity. So that wild, you know, raucous crowd that can maybe force you to have a, an offside or a false start or unable to get your playoff in time, you know, that wasn't a factor at all with those guys. So, you know, it was a road game because it was a cold place and it was in a different city. But as far as that wild, hostile environment, you know, that didn't seem to be a factor. I know that their offensive linemen, they went out in the pregame warm-up and they did their thing without their shirts on.
0: Of course they did. Just
2: to... Uh, I know, and I, you know, we have three or four layers, and I thought, well, okay, that's just a mind game. So, they, but they went out there, all their guys, all their linemen out there with no shirt, you know, in thirty degrees. Um, but bottom line, you still got to play, and uh, our guys had more clothes on and more points.
0: You know, when they say "when in Rome, you know, do as they do," I'm now envious. Do I have to start like this uh, early morning TikTok routine of jump rope and dancing? I showed my wife. She's like, "Wow, that's really impressive. That's good." She, she loved it. I. Dave, you, you got a lot of energy. That was that was really good before the game.
2: Well, you mentioned the nerves. I was nervous. You know, <laughs> this was the first uh radio game for me in quite a while and you know, covering this team. So um I was in that hotel gym at five thirty. Wow. You know, doing a little video and, and TikTok just to get a little anxiety out of the way and then, you know, going back to study. Um no, I, I appreciate the word, but that was just mostly a, a stress release <laughs> before a pretty tense day.
0: Yeah, well, obviously you do this and I do this. I mean, well, we love this. I mean, we're watching sports, talking sports, getting a chance to, to cover teams. And um, on that element, and you've done this for a couple years now on the TV side, certainly did the game this last weekend. It's more fun when the team you cover wins. But I, I feel really blessed because of how great the quality of people we get around. But for you to do this, Dave, what, what's it like to be working with – Coach Arbet, the TV crew, you know Troy, the staff, Mark Orr, Brian Berger. That just ever, being around all that. How how much fun have you had the last couple of years?
2: Oh, I mean, it was fun during that oh seven Big Sky because of the people, because of uh, Mark Orr and Brian Berger and all those folks. And obviously, it's way better when you win for Darren, our he's a former Hornet. So every time he comes back into town, he's just beaming, you know, bouncing off the wall, getting a chance to reconnect with old friends and, uh, you know, going to the tailgate area with some of the people that he played with or, you know, knows locally. So it's, it's super special. I mean, it's a, it's a great ride because it's not just a really good football team, but you are happy to show up and work with the people you get to work with. It's a you know great group. We had dinner with uh, a lot of the traveling party on Friday and, yeah, you know, if we weren't connected with Hornet Football, these these are the kind of guys I'd like to have it over for a barbecue on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you threw out Sacramento State and just had, had that not a factor in your relationship, it's it's a pretty cool deal. We're all very lucky.
0: Absolutely. That's well said. Well, uh we look forward to seeing you soon. I know you'll be on the call for the causeway. Um, this dream season has been it's just been unreal. I I believe it, but um sometimes a you know, some of those miracles that they've come back from the you know, the Idaho finish, the Montana finish has made the season an even more special. So a quick thought on, on Portland State. Again, you can't overlook anybody. We know that this team can score a little bit. But I feel like if it's one of those things, Dave, or if, if the Hornets are on their game, I think they'll they'll be okay.
2: Well, I know Andy Thompson's thing is under three and a half yards a rush. Mm. And they're at 3.47 for the season. Portland doesn't run the football exceptionally well. They're going to have to throw out with a young quarterback who's got some uh, accuracy issues in Dante Shashere. So I think the Hornets if they just execute their game plan and not overlook anybody. And that's, you know, been part of their success, part of their magic this year. I expect a convincing victory. And then looking ahead to the causeway, I know that the staff can't do it, but I can and mm. you can yep. imagine Davis needing to win that game to get to the playoffs which is a very real possibility, and the Hornets playing for an undefeated season in the Big Sky title. I mean, that stadium is going to be rocking.
0: Uh, that's the thing, too. People have asked, and you've, been, you've experienced You've you, uh, you said it earlier, kind of that 0-7 Big Sky season. Yeah, there weren't as many Hornet fans, but this year uh, all the home games have been great, and it's just getting better and better as far as attendance, and Davis should bring people over. They will, and I think the Sacramento community is growing and supporting this. I could see close to 20,000 for that game.
2: It's taken a while for the, um, you know, the buzz and the excitement to catch on, but we had almost 17,000 for the Montana game and over 17,000 for Idaho. And so with Davis bringing their folks, yeah, we're talking about sellout crowds Saturday afternoon. So hopefully that the the weather's nice. It's not going to be super cold, Um, you know, before the holiday season with a lot on the line, it could be one of the most uh, significant causeway games ever.
0: Yeah. We're looking forward to it. Dave, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Jason, thanks for the opportunity
2: on the radio last week. It really meant a lot, and um, I, I certainly had big headphones to fill.
0: <laughs> well, it was a treat listening to you. Uh, like I said, I lost. I, I, I'm already a fingernail uh, biter, but I uh, I did that quite a bit. But it wasn't because of you guys. It was because the Hornets made me nervous not being there. But it was great, and uh, congrats on all your success. And like we said, we'll see you at the uh, Causeway.
2: Give it a shot. Four seven eight breathing. One. <laughs>
0: I'll work on it right now. <laughs> thanks, Jason. Thanks, Dave. All right, that is Dave Lewis. My thanks to him. And you'll get to see Dave in the final regular season game, home against UC Davis. We'll have the call on television. Now, let's switch gears. Look at the quarterback play. Asher O'Hara, what a season for Asher here in his final year at Sacramento State. Still doing the dual quarterback spot. Him and Jake both carrying this team to a 9-0 start. Asher's had just a brilliant year. And I had a chance to uh, catch up with him and basically started with Asher asking him how much fun is this season?
3: This season has been such a blast for us, for me specifically, especially since it's my last one. You want it to be great, and it's going as good as I could have imagined it, and I'm sure all of us. um, You know, we pictured it. we, We could see this in the future. We didn't know how we'd get here, but we are here right now, and we're still just taking it one week at a time though not looking too far ahead
0: I've asked some of your teammates about this kind of very thought um, everybody wants to win it not everybody knows how to do it how would you explain it if someone has not seen the Hornets and
3: watch you guys play how would you explain that you're 9-0 and how you've won these games I think at times when we need each other special teams offense defense we we do something big for the other uh, side of the ball and You know, sometimes the defense, they need us, and as an offense, we got to go down and score. And vice versa, a lot of times, maybe we won't score on the first drive or something, and we need them to stop, and they do. So I think it just attributes to having each other's back and making sure that if someone's not at their very best in that specific moment, that the other side of the ball is going to do their best to, you know, keep it close.
0: Let's get your background, kind of how you got here. You got a, a quite a journey. you bounced around a little bit to get here, playing in Illinois, correct, high school. Yeah. And um, kind of in an athletic family, I, I'd be curious about your, your early days with your brothers and just what that was like and how you got involved in sports.
3: Yeah, so I have three brothers, one younger who's on the team, Jace, and then two older, one's named Devin and Zach. They're four and six years older than me, so I remember... As long as I can remember, just trying to play sports with them, and anytime they were they had friends over, I wanted to be involved. I would, I'd be the little kid asking to play, and they would let me, which is I attribute a lot of my success is because I was always playing with older people, and with football, um, in the basement we'd play knee football almost every night. Us four, two v two and they'd be on their backs, kicking our legs out. So I I learned back then to start jumping over and juking my brothers out. And I honestly could say that doing that way back then has certainly helped me. And just where I am today and trying to dodge people on the field, I really believe that. Um,
0: Wait, I gotta get the visual here, because knee football sounds
3: self-explanatory, but you're in a basement are they on their knees and you're on your knees or what no we're me and jace are on our feet but the older brothers are on their knees so they're just knocking our legs down trying to make us flip (laughs) over and whatnot but yeah outside of that um my parents they're very athletic as well they both went to minnesota and were gymnastics my mom and my dad was a safety four-year starter so i always wanted to be a football player Mm -hmm. and From the first time I played in fourth grade, I played quarterback because I just wanted to be like him. And I, I did it, and it kept going well for me. And my older brother, Devin, played QB as well, so I was always seeing what he was doing, and he taught me so much. And so I just it was always in my life, sports was, and I always wanted to do it. And, yeah, going back to my college journey and how I got here, I started in junior college because I wasn't recruited out of high school. I had a walk-on opportunity at Southern Illinois. So I just wanted to go and gamble on myself because I felt like I was better than that. And I got offered after one year to Middle Tennessee by Coach Franklin. Went over there for three years, redshirted the first, had two great seasons and then decided to leave and Coach Franklin knew Coach Taylor through coaches' conventions and whatnot, so he set me up on a Zoom call with Coach Taylor and my dad. We just talked for a few days, and then I asked him to look at my brother, Jace, for a walk-on spot, and they happened to offer him. So right away, we just committed, and we are here, and it's been very fun.
0: Were you a package deal kind of no matter what, or is that kind of
3: a bonus now for the Hornets to also get Jace? Um, I mean, I was coming— alone and then I just last ditch effort said hey my brother's in junior college now just check him out and they offered him so I don't know I mean we are a package deal yeah <laughs> but it didn't intend to be that way yeah I mean it's a big move too I mean you had success at Middle, Middle
0: Tennessee State yeah. so to to make the move that's bold too I mean you you know of coach Taylor a little bit but California just uh now that you're here obviously the success but um that was a pretty big move for you wasn't it
3: Yeah it was because I hadn't heard of the school before and I've heard of Sacramento I hadn't been to California more than once in my life so it certainly was a huge move especially with my son he was only seven months and my girlfriend they moved out here with me so it was a giant move but I felt like it was the right one to make and everyone supported me and my family and it made it easy for me just to go out there and play football.
0: And now your parents are here all the time they're very supportive too aren't they?
3: Yeah, they are. They're very they love traveling for football games and even at the away games they'll just be in the hotel lobby and mm-hmm. surprise us. We we love that, but yeah, they're super supportive and they'll do everything they can just to make sure they could see us play in person cuz they know it doesn't last forever. Yeah. I'm thinking back to
0: your brothers too. I have older brothers as well and younger brothers that there's an element where they toughen you up probably, but also showing the support. Where was the? I'm sure there were some beatings too, right, oh, yeah. at some point along the way? Yes, definitely. <laughs>
3: um, scars to prove it? Certainly scars to prove it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they were definitely tough on me, um, Devin especially, because he played quarterback, and he would always tell me um, that my talent isn't going to take me everywhere and I have to work hard, and I didn't always work hard. I just kind of coasted by and mm-hmm. did – didn't do too much but eventually I kind of bought into that mindset and because he he's he doesn't he's preached that he doesn't want me to have any regrets because he didn't he tore his labrum and wasn't able to play anymore but he didn't regret how he worked so I really looked up to him for that um but yeah like now they're huge supporters they're not as tough on me they let me just be me they'll give me tips here and there if they need and I'll always listen to them but I could count on them watching the games every week and all that.
0: I'm also thinking as you get here, you're probably, I mean, this is a unique spot. You, you know the adage. People say, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I know people ask us all the time when we're going on the road, like, do they really play both guys? Is it? Yeah, it's going to happen. How about getting to that adjustment? Now you guys have made it. It's just routine. But you and Jake, how did that all work? I know everybody talks about how great friends you are, but thats it's an odd setup,
3: isn't it? It is. It is because you don't see it at many levels at all, and even if you do, it's not very successful, but it's it's been a process. It, it worked last year. We won the big sky that way, but I feel like this year it's much more seamless, and we've had a year under our belt together, and we've gone e- grown even closer as friends off the field, so... That's the big element I feel like is just the off the field respect and friendship that we have. Because if we didn't have that, it would be be hard to support each other. I feel. How would you describe Jake?
0: You watch him; he's a quarterback. he play the same position. What would what would you say uh,
3: about Jake Dunaway? Jake, I would say he's he's very fearless out there, especially when throwing the ball. He he does he trusts in his reads and he knows his arm's going to get the ball there. And I love the confidence he has on third and long because he'll just fit one in a window that I, I don't know if I'd make that throw. And I love love when he does that. But overall, he's just a great leader. He's he's a vocal leader, and he's very respected by everyone on staff and on the team as he should be.
0: I don't know how you guys. And there's credit to your O line, all the other players that are on the offense with you guys that your voice is going to sound different than his cadence and you're coming in and it might be three straight plays with you, one with him, back to you, Mm -hmm. um, down in distance, it changes all the time. The amount of times that you guys, you know, stay locked in, no offside, that to me is a credit to
3: all of you guys, but was that a challenge at the beginning? I never even thought of that actually. Um, That certainly had to have been a challenge for the linemen because we have very different voices. Jake has a lower voice and mine doesn't carry as loud but i try um yeah i mean i guess they they might not even know who's behind them when the ball's getting snapped it's just the cadence sounds similar so it works out but it is a credit to them just going with the flow and trying to win no matter who's in you've
0: done anything they need of you so it's running it's throwing it's um getting first downs getting touchdowns for the position that you play what's what's your favorite part of being quarterback
3: My favorite part of being quarterback is having the ball in your hands on every down because you have the control of the game, and you got to get it to your skill guys. You know, you get to decide who's getting the ball, and it's important. It's like a point guard in basketball, knowing who to dish to and who's hot. I think that's the funnest part is trying to organize a game and just orchestrate it. Yeah,
0: I know I talked earlier this season to a couple other seniors, Pierre, on the offense, Brandon Weldon, and they— Sometimes we'll sit back and just watch you, watch Cadaboo, watch Pierre, watch Marchette. Like you guys have a lot of good players. That I, it almost makes you probably enjoy film or as a player watching someone else go off, yourself included.
3: Yeah, that's so true. Film is super fun because you don't always see every play during that uh, during the game. So when you watch film, you're like, oh my gosh, that was a really nice play. We have so many good players, like you said, with the ball and without. So I love watching them. And that's when I'm on the sideline in Jake's, and I get to see everybody from that view. So it is very fun.
0: Speaking of views, it's now your profile pic. It's one of my favorite pictures of the uh, year, uh, the winning touchdown against Idaho. I don't know how you do it, Asher, but you were literally turned away from the road facing the other end zone you got, in the it, that still shot is great. Um, the I don't know, we call it Airborne or Air O'Hara. I don't what happens like you just launch in and i don't know just kind of lose your mind and go like
3: what what describe those moments yeah um <laughs> it's hard to describe cuz yeah. it's so quick i just kind of once i'm in the air i felt that guy hit me a little bit so i knew the only way to maybe keep going forward was to spin backwards and i think that picture's hilarious mm-hmm. just looks like i'm reckless in the air and overall just with all the jumping over the line i just my linemen have a great push so I just jump behind them and it's pretty hard to bring someone down when they're in the the air rather than on the ground that's how I look at it yeah
0: I love the line play too and you work with these guys every day but there'll be times where maybe it's a a handoff or a run by you and it might look like oh well you just kind of ran into the pile there's not much there but it's a six yard gain I mean just that surge how I'd love to hear your words about your, your O-line.
3: Yeah, those guys, they come to work every day. There's such a good group of guys off the field. It makes it fun on the field to watch what they do. Like you said, they have a great push up front, and it's fun watching Scadabo just be behind them <laughs> and keep pushing the pile. Um, I love playing with those guys because their sense of humor is really, really good. Yeah. and In-game, too? In-game, too, yeah. We have, when we're huddled up all the time while I'm reading a play, we'll have some jokes here and there. Seriously, but, during the game? Yes. During the game, we have a funny thing going where we call each other by our dad's names. So, for example, just started this? I, I started this, <laughs> but... Jackson Slater I'll call him John Slater because that's his dad right. and so in the game I'll just say something to John and and we'll all laugh <laughs> and then we're just going <laughs> it's, And everybody it's knows dumb, what's going but on but yeah everyone yeah. knows by now it's either the mom or dad's name or yeah. it's growing wow yeah. that's
0: pretty great um we're talking with Asher O'Hara here um I mean genuinely obviously winning is fun but it looks like everybody's having fun what um and there's more goals and targets to go I mean it's tough not to look ahead and you guys do an amazing job of that i I don't know where that comes from is that back to the coaching staff as far as kind of locking in each week and now locking in on portland state
3: yeah it is certainly goes back to the coaching staff because coach taylor he always talks about the respect for your opponent has to be there because anybody can beat us on any given day and if you don't respect that then that's when you'll get beaten very easily so we definitely don't overlook anybody, and even though we had a tough past three weeks, and we're playing Portland State now, we're treating it the same way, same time, same preparation, and whatnot. So we're ready to go.
0: As an offensive player, to have Troy Taylor there, Coach Taylor is your coach, knowing that that's well, fourth and six. We're good. We're going yeah. for it on our own twenty-five. Wait, what? Are we? I mean, he doesn't. I don't think anything kind of phases him. I think he's just ultimately he believes in you guys. To me, at least, that's what it looks like.
3: I agree. That I remember a couple games ago, it was like fourth and six. I'm like, all right, punt team, and we're still out there. I have insane amount of respect for that, and I, it makes you fired up as a player because it's the trust he has in you, and you know we obviously trust him because we're out there doing it. So it's very fun to watch, and yeah, he doesn't seem phased at all by those type of decisions.
0: So hopefully there's a lot more games left, but what uh, as you look your own personal life after that, more football, what would you like to do after uh, after the Hornet season is done?
3: Yeah, I definitely want to keep playing football. I don't know where or what level, but I'm certainly going to give it my all outside of this after this season to just keep playing because you only can do this once, and I love football. I don't want to hang it up after this season, so that's all I could say. Yeah, and then if
0: whenever that – I mean, other – like life targets goals you mentioned family i mean like Mm -hmm. this is pretty exciting time in your life right now
3: yeah it is i have a son he just turned two and my girlfriend we're trying to figure out where we want to live and we Mm -hmm. can't do that because with football who knows where i could end up but they're both they support me so much and they let me do what i love to do and they believe in me so we're just going to try and ride this out and see where it takes us and we'll be happy along the way i'm guessing your son's gonna be pretty athletic you think Yeah, he is. He's stinking. He punts balls, kicks it, (laughs) catches it. He's been doing it since he was walking. So he loves sports and he will be special. That's awesome.
0: And then, you know, obviously you'll keep following the program with
3: Jay still here. How cool is it to share just this experience too with your, your younger brother? Such a cool thing. We've had a couple brothers here at Sac State before, especially last year. We had a few pairs, but I mean, i never got to play with him in high school actually. So oh. this is even more special cuz I'm watching him play on defense and making him watching him make some plays and at the end of the day we go home and he lives with us too. So mm-hmm. it's just it's so special and I love doing it with him. I I'm, I think it was was it Northern Iowa maybe had yeah, the
0: game when or yeah, like the, the I yeah I mean I know you have your own success but that sometimes it's almost as much fun or maybe even root for him more to get some of those moments
3: yes that definitely rooting for him more because yeah. his moments he hasn't had as many just yet that moment was so stinking cool because mm-hmm. we were both on the field looking at each other after he did it just screaming mm-hmm. and I'll never forget that that was awesome that's awesome. Well,
0: Asher, it's been so much fun to watch you. I hope you've got many more games to go this year and in the future. Uh, we'll be following you and best of luck.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, my thanks to Asher O'Hara. Final thoughts here on this uh, to wrap up this podcast. Friday night football. Sacramento State and Portland State. This was a game that was moved in the summertime. Uh, stadium conflicts for Portland State. I know the Hornets weren't too thrilled about the game being moved to a Friday night, so it's a shorter week after all these Three emotional games, so Sacramento State's really going to have to be locked in. Portland State, you know, they're a team that certainly can score. They've had some tough games this year, but um, you you can't let this be a a let-up or a trap game. If you're Sacramento State, they are so good at locking in, doing what they do well, playing game to game. You heard it from Asher there in his uh, conversation. And if, and I'm going to keep saying it, if Sacramento State plays their game, plays to their ability... Everything should go well. But you can't look ahead to Davis. You can't think about the playoffs. You can't think about your seeding and your ranking. Just go play. Play, play well, and see if you can come home 10-0. and 0. So my thanks to Dave Lewis. My thanks to Asher O'Hara. My thanks to all of you for listening to this week's episode. Tell a friend. Let them know we're out there. We're growing each and every week, much like the fan base for Sacramento State football. So thank you so much for listening. I'm Jason Ross, and that is another edition of of your Stingers Up Sacramento State football podcast. Stingers Up!